Good morning. You guys doing good? Good to see you. Sal, you doing good? Welcome back, buddy. Good to see you. We are so thankful to see you guys. I hope you guys had a great week. It was a little rainy last night. Was that okay? I, it's nothing I can do about it. I tried to figure it out, but it's just kind of how the season goes. But uh, welcome. Thank you for coming this morning. Uh, I don't know if anybody was here last week. We kind of had, uh, it was fun, we kind of had a couple questions last week um, that I, I knew people would have. Um, so just to clear up, I just got one question I want to clear up. Do you all remember the bottle cap story? Does everybody remember that a little bit? People were asking, like, whatever happened? And all I can say is it came out with fear and trembling. Amen? <laughs> nah. Sorry, I just, I know it's early. Um, but hope y'all are doing well. We got some fruit here if anybody wants any, um, but we'll get to that. Um, but how many of you have ever, quick question, how many of you have ever walked in on a conversation and you thought, man, I shouldn't have walked in on this conversation? Or you walked into a room and you're like, wrong place, wrong time. Anybody ever been there? I do it often. I don't know why I'm that person. It's kind of like... Uh, and one of the places you'll probably laugh at me is uh, I've walked into the ladies' restroom a few times, right? And I know, uh, I've probably done it five times as an adult. Uh, I think I've broken the cycle. Uh, Culver's was the last place I did it. Uh, but usually when you walk in, you notice, uh, this is just a tip in case you do, but if you walk in and you notice there's more stalls than normal as a guy, you might be in the wrong place, wrong time. Usually I walk in, I'm like, oh, Oh, got to go, right? Uh, there was another time, actually it was over here in Orlando, it was probably the first time I ever did it on accident. You know how they have kind of, it's like a hallway where it like goes to the guys and the girls, it's like a hallway is what it, and I think it's kind of setting me up because I'm just like following the hallway, you know, I just think this is a hallway, I'm not looking at signs, I'm sure that this is leading to the men's restroom and I remember I walked in and all the ladies were doing their makeup and their hair and everything and I just walked in, I was like, oh, oh, no, and ladies like, it's fine. I'm like, no, it's not fine. It's, it's, <laughs> I said, no, thank, no, I'm gone. Thank you. It's not fine. I think she was trying to make me feel better, but I did not feel good about it. Um, uh, another time uh, when I was younger, maybe you've never done that. Uh, that's okay. I'm, I'm giving you props for it. Uh, but another time uh, I used to live next to a cow pasture. Okay. This is when I was like 15. How many of you have friends in your life that always push you to kind of do some crazy things, right? Like, I'm not actually that person, you'd be surprised, but I seem to always find people that I surround myself with that are always pushing me to do crazy things, okay? And I, you know, if you dare me, it's prob I'm probably gonna take you up on it. You shouldn't dare, shouldn't double dare, triple dare. Those go, those go really bad really quick for me. So uh, anyways, we lived next to this cow pasture and uh, my friend Joe uh, from middle school, high school, is my best friend, and he's like, we should go over there and pet the cows. And I was like, ah, I was like, I don't know, they got bulls, and they have steers, and they have big horns, and I don't, I don't think we should do it. He's like, oh, we should do it. So uh, we climb over the barbed wire fence. Um, I take this bucket that's just laying out there, and I set the bucket up, because I think if, if we have to get away from these cows, I'm going to use this bucket and jump over the barbed wire fence, right? Like, it just makes sense. That's what you should do. Think, I'm thinking ahead, y'all. And so start walking over, and I see uh, the cows, and we get pretty close to them, and I think we even kind of like, you know, touched them a little bit, and they, you know, they're, they're kind of going like this, and uh, 
Eventually, one of them like kind of went up and then stomped at us, and we went running. Well, I don't know if they were trying to get us, but they decided they were going to chase us, okay? So now we're running from this big herd of cattle, and uh, my buddy, I'm thinking he's going to use the bucket. He actually does like a somersault over the barbed wire. Like he just literally somersaulted over and then like spins on the ground. I was like, that was awesome. Um, I get to the bucket, and the bucket, when I went to go step on it, actually broke, okay? I land on the barbed wire, right? And the cows come up, and they're kind of like nudging me and like, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> it's brutal, okay? And I was like, that didn't go as planned. And so my buddy had to help me get over the rest of the barbed wire. And um, I just, I, I say that to say that that was the wrong place, wrong time, okay? Like, and I find myself there often. No, n- at no time is it good to be in a cow pasture with bulls or steers or any kind of cow. I'm just letting you know, y'all know uh, tips from Matt. Okay, how many of you have ever done this? You ever taken your Bible and you're like, Holy Spirit, lead me, right? And you flip open your Bible and you're like, boom, scripture. Anybody ever done that? Used to do it all the time. Okay, I'm just letting you know, a lot of the time it's wrong place, wrong time. 95% of the time. Every now and then you'll hit a good one. You're like, that was, that was Holy Spirit. He led me on that one, right? But most of the time it's wrong place, wrong time with scripture. And it can get you into trouble. Philippians 2.12-13 through 13 is one of those verses. That's been the text that we used last week. We're using it again this week. But I want to read it to you again. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And if you were to show up, y'all, just reading these two scriptures, um, you would quickly think maybe wrong place, wrong time, okay? Because it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense on its own. Uh, even the word work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, like if you change the tone while you're reading that scripture, it sounds a little scary. Could everybody agree a little bit, right? Like work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Like it sounds completely different when you read it that way, right? Um, but last week we talked about, we talked about what it wasn't. Do you remember that? What we didn't read out of that. And one of the things that we read was that it wasn't working for. And that's what I want to remind you of is the first thing that this scripture is not saying is it's not saying work for your salvation. I feel like we established it. I'm just bringing it back around. It's kind of like how many of you ever went to a Christian school when you were little and like, or, or Bible church when you were a kid and they had the stars. Anybody have Anybody remember the stars in there? They had the gold star and the silver star. And I don't know if it's bronze or copper. I was color, I'm colorblind, so I'm just like, whatever. I don't, know what it, I don't know what it is. And so, but I remember like with good behavior, you always like got the gold star and it, like it just kind of worked its way down. And I, I want you to know I was never a gold star kind of kid. I, I just, it didn't, I didn't hit it. The good news is, is I was colorblind. So I'm like, well, they all look good. Uh, and so... I would go home and like, Mom, I got stars. She's like, good job, honey. You know, I was like, uh, and so I never really was disappointed because I'm like, at least I got stars. I don't know if they were good stars or bad stars. But in that class, they taught you to work for something. But good news is we're not working for our salvation. We're working from our salvation, okay? The second thing that, you, that could be determined from the words work out 
Um, could mean physical exercise. Anybody th ever thought like it could mean physical exercise, right? Like I've got this picture. Let's see if we've got this picture here where Jesus is reaching down to, uh, is it Peter, I believe, and he's pulling him out. And he's like, you know, it's probably because Jesus was working out when he was doing that carpentry, right? And he's pulling him out of the water. And that's why Paul said to work out your salvation because you've got to work out, okay? Um, like when Jesus said in Matthew, you all remember when he said, uh, my burden, or what, what's he say? He said, come to me all who are weak and heavy laden. And I, maybe he meant my barbell is easy and my dumbbell is light. Do you think that's what he meant when he said that? Or maybe when he said, take up your cross and follow me, maybe he was saying, take up CrossFit and follow me this direction. No, it's not talking about working out. I don't think that Jesus and the disciples all had different robes for jazzercise or something. I don't think that that actually happened. So it was not working out as in exercise. The third thing, verse 12, isn't saying, isn't saying work it out. Like he's not saying like, he's not like a, like a gangster Jesus, okay? And it's like, like he's it's like a, you know, like the mob, like, like, how does, how does that voice sound? It's like, it's between you and God. You've got to go work that thing out between you and him. Like, he's not saying that. That's pretty good, right, Sal? Is that okay? I'm getting there, right? Um, it's got to go work it out, you know? You've got to go, you and God, you, got, you can do it. I believe in you, you know? It's not saying work it out. No, that's not good. I know. I'm not good at the accents. I've got to try, though. It's the mattresses. Take them to the mattresses. Um, but you can wonder if he's talking to believers or unbelievers, right? Like, if he's saying, go work it out between you and God, you could wonder, like, is he talking to believers? Is he talking to unbelievers? Like, what's the story? Maybe he's telling unbelievers you got to go work it out between God. Except for if you read the beginning of verse 12, it said the word therefore, okay? And if you remember, um, anytime you, talk, you say the word therefore, you have to look at the preceding verses. Like, you got to go either to the beginning of the chapter or beginning of the book and find out what he's talking about. So I want to take you to Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, and it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ, Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ, Jesus at Philippi. So Paul, the writer of Philippians, is addressing believers. He said, he said that we're the servants of Christ, and we're talking to God's holy people. God's holy people, it doesn't get any more Christian than that, so clearly he wasn't talking to people that did not believe in Jesus. All right, so this helps to identify what's going on in the room in verse 12 and 13. If you were to walk into the room and you were to read this, you would know he's talking to people that believe that are God's holy people, okay? And he's saying to go work it out. So I want to go back to verse 12, dive in a little bit deeper. Verse 12, it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For, in verse 13, it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure, can we see how this scripture can be a little misinterpreted? Could everybody agree, right? Like, basically, it, you could interpret it as if you're not afraid and you're not working on your salvation, um, you might lose your salvation. Or it's something to work for. You need to be kind of afraid of God as you're working this out, okay? Uh, when I was younger, too, I, I remember uh, walking through this park. Uh, I was going to a friend's house, and I thought, I'm going to take a shortcut and go through this park. Well... If you're ever going through a park, this is street tips from Matt, okay? But if you're walking through a park and you see the swings moving at 11 o'clock at night, it's probably not children, okay? It's probably not. You probably should be concerned. 
um, and I could see three different swings swinging, and then I could see red dots as if they were smoking, and I thought, this might be trouble, but I'm just going to keep going. So as I'm going, I hear from the dark area where the, where the other people are at, and they say, hey, lesson number two, if you're walking through a park and somebody says, hey, you don't say hey back, okay? <laughs> you keep walking and pretend like they didn't say hey. Then they say, hey, you, they still don't know who you are, okay? They said, hey, you, and I pretend like I didn't hear that. I'm getting to the edge of the fence line on the way to my friend's house. Then they said, hey, you, get over here, okay? When they say that, you know, run, okay? It's the opposite. You don't think they're asking you to come swing on the swings together, okay? And so I go running into the dark, okay? And my eyes started to adjust, and somehow... I saw this little area that I could hop into and hide in the bushes, all right? Then they come running up down the, down the alley, and these guys are standing right in front, and their eyes hadn't adjusted, and they're like, hey, hey, I think he went over here, right? I, I, I'm, not a, uh, I'm not the best at running from people. I've never really done it before, but I'm like, I think I'm going to go the other way, okay? So I got out, went the other way, went to my friend's house, got away from these guys. They went their way. I went mine. Okay, and I say that to say I was terrified when I walked out of there. Like, I was afraid, I was scared, I was unsure about what these guys were going to do to me, okay? And I want you to know, like, anytime you read a scripture or you hear people talking about God, you can always know that you don't actually have to be afraid, okay? God is not somebody that you need to be afraid of, and if you are, you might have an improper interpretation of who God is. You might not fully understand him. You might have read something or heard something along the way that that gave you kind of a jaded type of thinking. Um, John 3.16, let's just say, as as a for instance, for God so loved the world, you guys mind quoting with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Sounds like a pretty good God. In verse 17, if you remember, it says, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the whole world might be saved through him. Okay, that sounds like a God that we don't need to be that afraid of. Sounds like a God that's not hunting us down and he's not hoping that we're going to work out our own salvation. Sounds like a God that loves us a whole lot. Amen? Um, And Paul wouldn't encourage believers to live in a continuous condition of nervousness or anxiety. That would contradict uh, where he said God hasn't given us the spirit of timidity or of fear, but of love, power, and of sound mind, right? That would also contradict don't be anxious for anything, but by prayer and supplication, let your request be known unto God. That would contradict that scripture. If we're, to, if we're thinking that working out our salvation, we need to work it out with fear and trembling. It would also contradict that um, we haven't received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you remember what the rest says, we've received adoption unto sons and children of God, Okay. So what does this word fear mean? If he's using the word fear, what does it mean? And if you, if you look at its original um, translation, it actually means reverence or respect. It means reverence or respect. Paul uses the same phrase, fear and trembling, in 1 Corinthians 2.3 in the New, Good News Translation. It says, so when I came to you, I was weak and trembling all over with fear. Okay, even the word trembling refers to a shaking due to weakness, but this is a weakness of higher purpose, one which brings us to a state of great dependence on God. See, I think Paul said this because he wanted us to be impressed and humbled with who we were carrying around. It's not afraid 
of who we were carrying around, but impressed and humbled to a, it said, a great dependence on God. Um, how many of you guys know uh, Ryan Lauren just had their baby? Everybody kind of know that? That's the singers up here, right? Pretty cool. But it kind of took me back. It reminded me of when we had our oldest. I know they probably went through the same scenario of when you have that baby and then it's time to go, okay? It, the, nurse, the nurse comes to you and says, all right, you'll be leaving. And they hand you the baby. You're like, oh, my goodness, what am I about to do. I, I have never been trained for this, okay? And so I remember when we had our first one, I remember going out to the car, okay? I left Ruthie and the baby, and I went out to the car. I pulled the car right underneath the, the little overhang. I turned it to a perfect 72 degrees, okay? I, I, we didn't have time because we had the baby um, so quickly, and I took that little black tent thing that everybody puts on their car because you're worried about your, your child getting too much UV rays, right? I put that on there, you know, baby on board and really concerned and made sure that the little, the little latch thing that goes in the car seat, I pulled that thing even tighter and I had a firefighter actually help me to get it really tight. So really worked on that and then made sure everything was all set. Then I go inside, you know, get, I start pushing Ruthie out of the, uh, the wheelchair and then the nurse is carrying the baby. And once we get out, I come over to the side and she, hand, she actually hands me the little carriage thing and I take the baby and I put, it, put the baby in there. I made sure that thing was all locked in and made sure it wasn't going anywhere, right? Made sure that that was good. And then I carefully closed the door and made sure the door, like, oh, I didn't wake the baby. Okay, good. Then I went around and helped Ruthie get in the car. You guys get in the picture? Closed the door, helped Ruthie get all in the car. Then I got in the car, adjusted all the mirrors, right? Made sure everything was good. Checked the temperature one more time, made sure the radio was down. And I get in the car, and I, 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 I was terrified to hit a speed bump, okay? And what took normally 30 minutes took 15, or what normally took 15 minutes took 30 minutes to get all the way back to where we were. Why was that? Was it because I was afraid of my baby coming and getting me? Was that why? Or was it because I realized who I had on board? Was it because I, I was humbled by what was, what was going with me, what was going home with me? I recognized, hey, this is something really important. This is something really precious, and I want to make sure that I take really good care of this, right? Um, it was because of the humility with who was with me, and I had great respect and reverence for the task at hand. It was because I realized who was with me, um, so when Paul's saying, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, he's saying with shaking due to a lack of reverence and respect. You get to allow God, the God who created the universe, the heavens and the earth, who brought all things into matter, who made every living thing, who spoke life into existence, who knew you before the foundation of the world, has now decided to live in you and I. That's the precious cargo that we carry around. Last week, I told you the story about when Jesus went to go meet with Zacchaeus at his house. Y'all remember that? And he went into the house, and Zacchaeus was amazed at who was with him, and he said, I'm going to sell everything and give it all away to the poor. And Jesus said, salvation has come to your house. And what he was saying was, the Savior has come to your house, the Savior of the world, right? And you remember when Clark said a couple weeks ago, he said that God... Uh, when he restored us, he restored us to a better place of with, with Adam. And I, I believe the reason why he said that, this is just my own personal opinion, is um, it's because he wanted 
he wanted to live inside of us, okay? It, with Adam, he walked in the cool of the day. That was a pretty cool thing, to be able to walk and talk the cool, cool of the day. But he was still susceptible to, uh, to the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? He was still susceptible to that. And he just walked with him the cool of the day. But see, when he comes to live on the inside of us, when he comes as our savior to live inside of us, he gets to talk to us all the time. We get to talk to him all the time. We are right with God. There is nothing that can take away that salvation. There's nothing that can take away the Savior from us. That's why it's the good news, right? That's why he's with us at all times. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But I, uh, and you might be wondering, um, you might be wondering why would he want us to have a lack of ability and reverence and respect. Why would he want that? I thought God said he helps those who help themselves. First of all, he never said that. Did you know that? He never said God helps those who help themselves. Second of all, he never said that. Okay, so Matt, once we've gotten to this place of lack of ability and reverence and respect, then what? Then what do we do? Verse 12 still tells us to work out our salvation. How do we do that? How are we supposed to stay idle? I want to talk about the word workout. Okay, so the word workout in the Greek means katergozomai. I'm sure we say that like on a daily basis, right? I got it on my refrigerator. I say it every morning when I get up. Katergozomai. It means to work out. It means to bring about. It means produced or produces. So the word workout actually means produce. Now, it's not the noun produce, okay? It's not the noun produce. But it's the verb produce. Produce, the verb, means to make available for public exhibition. Exhibition can mean display. So why do we need to put Jesus on display? Because God isn't interested in us working out our salvation for him. He already worked that out. He's interested in us working out our salvation or putting him on display for other people to see. You guys following me? In other words, we get to put God on display. How many of you um, have ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? Anybody ever heard that? Like, it's a pretty common teaching in the church. Um, Galatians 5, through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Verse 24, it says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I love that these are called fruit. Why? Why do I love that? It's because we can't produce produce. Did you know that? Like we in and of ourselves, we can't produce produce. In other words, like we can't produce the fruit of the spirit. Okay, we can't produce that in our lives on our own. Okay, like have you ever heard people say this? I, and I used to say it, so there's nothing wrong with it if you said it today, okay? Uh, but I'm growing in love. Anybody ever heard somebody say that? Or I'm growing in peace. Or I'm growing in patience. Patience, that was a good one for me. Like, I used to think, like, I, I, when Ruthie and I first got married, uh, we would, I found out quickly that we were going to be late to all sorts of places, right? Um, and it was difficult for me. I was just used to taking care of myself. Now, she's gotten better. I don't know why. We had kids, and all of a sudden, we're early all the time. I don't know what happened, but that's not my recommendation. Just has kids, and then you'll be on time. But we figured it out. But I will say... Um, that I used to think that, oh, I need to go read patient scriptures. Like, let me go read patient scriptures. And it seemed like the more I read patient scriptures, the more impatient I became. Right? I was like, I gotta walk this out. I don't know what's happening. 
Um, same with love. Like, have you ever, like, said, I'm growing in love, and then all of a sudden you have somebody in your life, like, that comes into your life, and you're like, man, I'm not sure if I really want to tackle this whole love thing. Um, but it's like a tree trying to choose what to produce, right? Like, I mean, an apple tree can't produce an orange all of a sudden. It's not like, ah, I have to choose oranges today. I think I'm going to do that. Um, why? Because if, I believe that if um, love, right, is the center of some of these things. But why? Because if you are in the spirit and the spirit is in you, the fruit of the spirit produces the produce. It's the spirit that brings the fruit, not us. And you might ask, well, which fruit does, does the spirit produce, right? Like, how is that happening? How do you do that? And it's really whatever one is for the day. You all follow me? It's like, if you need love for the day, God will produce, the spirit, will produce love in your life. If you need patience for the day, and you're looking to the spirit for that, if you're looking to him for that, he'll produce the patience. But if you think in and of yourself you're going to be able to produce the patience, it's only going to be an uphill battle. Um, Romans 5.5, 5, it says, the love of God is already shed abroad in our hearts already. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. In other words, you can overcome anything with that kind of power. Christ in you is the hope of glory, and as he is, so are we in this world. And we have this idea that salvation equals forgiveness. How many of you guys would think that? Like, I know I, I would. Salvation equals forgiveness. Um, but it's so much more than that. Last week, I kind of tapped into it. Salvation, in the Greek, it means soteria, which means deliverance or safety. And it's a picture of a new life where all your needs, all your need of forgiveness, all your need of deliverance, all your need of healing, all your need of provision, right, is supplied. And how many of you are, don't answer this, how many of you are trying to overcome things in here, right? Like I, I believe everybody's trying to overcome something in their life. Or maybe how many of you don't like something that's going on in your life and you want that thing to change? That might be a better way to put it. And I think everybody can agree, we all have those things. But can I tell you, you're never going to overcome those things, and you're never going to change that thing about yourself. And the good news is, the sooner you come to that conclusion, the better. Philippians 2.13, it says, for it is God. This is why it all comes together. For it is God who is at work within you, giving you the will and the power to achieve his purpose. I believe there's two types of working out, right? I believe there's two different types of working out. One is God working it out. And then there's us trying to work it out, right? And how many, how many of you know us trying to work it out can only go so far? Has anybody ever been there? Like you're trying to work that thing out, but then there's God working it out. And we will never achieve his purpose for our lives as long as we and of ourselves are trying to overcome things. Philippians 4.13, I love this translation. It says, in the Passion Translation, it says, I know what it means to lack and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. And can I tell you, I've tried it all. I kind of tried it all. Like, I mean, I've, I've been to uh, anger management, where I only got more angrier. Uh, I've been to counseling, where I thought, why is this person counseling me? I don't understand what's... Like, they need counseling as much as I do, right? And why are we sitting here? Um, I've tried therapy, you know, tried all, tried all that stuff. Um, and I'm not talking bad about counseling. I'm not talking bad about therapy. I think all that stuff, uh, even anger management, I would recommend it to people. But I will tell you that there is only so much that those things can help. There is only so much 
that that can actually change you. There's a, there is only so much fruit that will come out of those kind of circumstances. It's all about dependence. And you might think, well, that looks kind of weak, like being codependent on something. But I want you to know there are things in your life that seem impossible, and the truth is they are impossible. But with God, all things are possible, right? Luke 18, 27, the things which are impossible are possible with God. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the deceit of the devil. I love that right there. It just says to stand, stand against, right? There's not a whole lot of work that's going on there. Verse 12, it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the kings, against the authorities, and against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual forces of iniquity, which are in high places, right? See, I used to think the battle was up to me. Anybody ever thought the battle was up to you? You have some kind of battle in your life, right? Like you're like, I got to take on this. I got to figure this out. I got to try to figure this out in my life. And I used to think maybe, maybe I need to memorize the rest of the verse. And y'all remember the whole armor of God, what's the helmet of salvation, right? The breastplate of righteousness, the girdle of truth. I got my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I got the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. And I used to work all those things into my prayers. And I don't have any problem with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with working those things. But when you think that you're going to be able to do those things in your own life, or you're going to be able to overcome those things in your own life, or you think you're going to be able to produce those things in your own life, you're going to come up short every time. Because it says all you're to do is just stand to fight against the enemy. And what is it? It's an enemy that's already defeated. Amen? 1 Corinthians one twenty seven. it says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And most of the stories in the Bible had some, you know, most of the men and women in the Bible, they had massive weak areas. Would you all agree? The sooner you realize the battle is not yours, the sooner you will find strength because it's completely in him. Does this, God, does this mean that God doesn't want us to do anything? Right? Like, how, do, how are we actually going to produce produce? In other words, how do we put him on display. I don't want to show y'all. This is crazy. I know this is a crazy revelation, but how do you how do you put him on display? Let me show you. You guys ready? Everybody ready? Let's make it sure. Pretty amazing, right? I mean, oh, hold on. Some of you might have missed it. Let me try it. I'm going to put him on display. All right? Anybody see that? That's how you do it. Because you can't produce this yourself. Like, you can't. You can try. I've tried to be more loving to people, and every time I'm like, man, I am not that loving, God. Right? Man, I've tried to forgive people. And I just, I can only forgive so much. And, and then you know the um, Romans 12, 2, it says, and be not conformed to the pattern of this world, everybody know that verse? But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Here's what I want you to do. The pattern of this world is us trying to produce things in our life. Us trying to work for things in our life. Instead of working from a place of working it out and allowing him to flow out of us, the pattern of this world is everybody's got to work for something, right? That's what we've been trained our whole lives. 
working, you know, and you'll hear in other places, you know, working for your salvation, working for your righteousness, working for your holiness, working for this, working to produce. And it's not about us producing, it's about us listening to him and saying, what needs to be produced for today? And you might think, well, I want to be loving towards this person. Well, love does a lot of things, right? Did you know love protects? Did you all know that? Like, it actually protects. I, I was skating with my girls the other night, and they fell. And would love just be like, oh, I love you. Hey, you did good down there. Everything's going good. No, love picks up. Love protects. Love pushes away. And that's what I'll say to you is, what's the Spirit telling you today to do? What is the Spirit? And it might be prompting you, but I want you to know, you do have to lean on Him for the produce. Renew your mind, and that's where the strength comes from. It's in Him that the work is done. Philippians 2.13, let me read that verse to you one more last time. We're going to close. For it is God who is at work within you, giving you the will and the power to achieve His purpose. It's God who does the work, who has done the work. We just allow it to, to come out. We just put him on display. I'll tell you, when I stopped working to get people saved, a lot more people came to know the Lord by me just saying, hey, this is God, right? Like I used to think, well, I got to do everything. I got to be this perfect person. I hate to tell you, I, I've seen more people come to know the Lord through people that just said, hey, I don't have it all figured out, but I want you to know God does, and he loves you right where you're at. Amen? Why don't you guys stand? I'm going to pray with everybody. And close your eyes, lift your hands. Father, we thank you, God, for everybody that's in here this morning, God. We thank you, God. I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know what they're going through, but God, I thank you, God, that we have been called to overcome. I thank you, God, you've supplied all of our needs according to your riches and glory, God. And so we lean on you for strength, God. We lean on you for wisdom. We lean on you to love those people that we need to love. And we thank you, God, that you're doing so many good things in our life, God. You are going to supply the produce, God. You're going to produce the produce in our lives. You're working it all out, and we trust in you in that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you.